Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Can you imagine if we had a God that changed? Like styles change, like cars, video games change. That game's not cool anymore, man. You need a Nintendo Switch or what is it now? Is it a Nintendo Switch? I don't know. That's the thing that's in. Now, what if God changed like that? Yeah, for thousands of years I said you were saved, but guess what? I'm changing my mind. I'm tired of y'all. You're going to hell. Oh, I'm glad God doesn't change because he keeps his promises. If the Lord changed, he would be unreliable. You've got friends, they change all the time. They always flip-flop. If God did that, if he changed, nobody would want to be close to him. But you can trust the promises and the covenants that God makes with us because he is a rock. You can stand on his word and you can trust that not one of his words will ever fall to the ground. They never do. When he says, call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Guess what? You're going to be saved. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise because they're just trying to steal your joy. He is a rock. The Lord is my rock. Now, those words came from David, a man that learned how to understand covenant. He went through it the hard way because when he first got under covenant, boy, he he did not understand covenant at all. If he really knew the covenant he was under, he would have looked at Bathsheba and he would have eye bounced. These words, the Lord is my rock, came from David. The Lord's promises are firm, they're solid and unmovable so that you can totally trust what the Lord God says. Anything you read in that Bible, no matter how unbelievable it may be, if the Lord God said it, you can trust it. And if, if you're, I, I tell people the gospel all the time and they say it's too easy or that can't be true or I've never heard it like that. I show them in the pages. I don't just tell them. I show them in the pages and I have them read it. You read it and they read it so they can see for themselves the trustworthy word of God. So David also compared God to a fortress, both a rock and a fortress. Give the picture of a high place, a strong place of refuge and defense. Refuge, that's a place that you are defended. Y'all may know Marty Getz, the famous uh, Jewish musician. We've had him over here before. He has that song where he says, he is my defense. I shall not be moved. But I have to remember where my covenant power comes from. And that's how I can get up in the morning and keep marching. I know you feel like that a lot of the time. Lord, I can't take this anymore. Remember the covenant you're under. Remember that covenant and you can keep going. The Lord is my rock. He is my fortress. And then David calls him my deliverer escape and security that is a deliverer now a lot of people have tried to kill david for many many years and yet every single time it was the lord who delivered him out gave him a way of escape and brought him into a place of safety into a place of security second samuel 21 
and 3, he also goes on to say, The God of my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. Now I want you to listen to this for a minute. David, you can't fight anymore because you got faint. You need to sit it out from now on. I'll just go kick a rock and go cry about it all day. No, what is he doing? He's like, you saved me. I can't do this anymore. And you gave me a secure place. You gave me a place to set this out and you empowered the men around me to take over. You gave me a refuge. You gave me a secure place to go. David's celebrating this. He's not upset. He understood that his strength did not come from himself. He said that his strength came from God. Now, when you talk about your strength coming from God, and I can tell people that, my strength comes from God. In theory, everybody else will agree with you. You ever have that discussion with somebody? Well, my, I'd get my strength from the Lord. Well, amen, brother, so do I, so do I. But the way they're living their life shows they don't really believe that. Why? They'll agree in theory, but the way they live their lives shows they strive on their own power. It's like you're not running the right way. If you were running under God's power, you'll go this way. Why are you doing the opposite? Well, I'm in God's power too. Well, you don't look like it. Whose side are you on? Which side of covenant are you really? To trust in and to walk in the power of God, like what David's saying here. He said, my, my strength comes from the Lord. To walk in that, you've got to die to yourself, and you've got to trust in the Lord's strength. That was the hardest thing for me. When I was about to get saved, when I thought I was, for many years, I thought I was saved. When I was about to, it got hard, man, things got so hard. I'd never had a more difficult time in my entire life. Everything was wrong, and the pressure was so severe, I couldn't stand it, because God just about had me ready to crack, (laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't quite there, but when I finally did, I realized that's what I was doing wrong. I was doing this on my own steam because you're going to run out of steam. When you feel like you're out of steam, I'm out, I'm done. That is the indication that you were running on your own steam. You're not supposed to run on your steam. You're supposed to run on his. Your strength comes from the Lord. I had to learn to die to myself and trust in the Lord's strength because, quite frankly, I don't have any. (laughs) But what did David mean by saying the horn of my salvation? That's very foreign to us. In those days, a horn was a symbol of power and authority. How so? Well, much like animals, they use their horns for fighting and securing for dominance. Now, I grew up on that family ranch in palaces texas and there's been many times i have seen bulls fight to establish who's the leader and grandpa loved it we'd be sitting in the truck he gives he's like hey ray come on over here there's a couple of bulls fighting let's go watch <laughs> so we'd pull up i'm thinking we gotta we gotta break this up they're fighting each other he goes no no i he's i, I bet you that was good we'd wage on it you know wagers on it and they would fight but the animals they they they, they get like this and they use their horns that's their power that establishes themselves as the leader. And so horns were symbols of strength and how you establish yourself firmly as the superior is indicated in a horn. These people in these days, they they dealt with animals a lot more than we do today. 
So they understood that a whole lot better. Now, other biblical examples of this horn as being power or authority are seen such as in, uh, say, like Daniel 7. It talks about the ten horns of Daniel's fourth beast. It represented ten powerful kings, ten horns, ten kings of authority. In Psalm 75.10, the Lord said, I will cut off the horns of all the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. In other words, the power of the righteous will be strengthened while the wicked are cut down. Jeremiah 48 and 25, just little examples I've got. It says, Moab's horn is cut off, which meant that the strength of Moab was gone. So in the biblical times, a horn represented strength, power, dominance, and establishment. That's what it represented. And so when David said, the horn of my salvation, he was declaring that his salvation was fought for, established, and is maintained by the superior dominant power of the Lord God Almighty, the horn of my salvation. The ultimate power established my salvation. Nothing's going to change that. So, you know, after all the mistakes that David had made, here he is expressing how happy he is that his salvation established is established by someone other than himself. <laughs> it's like, I've been fighting so hard to try to do this and do that. One day you wake up and realize, it's not based on me. Thank God, <laughs> because I blew it. David's very happy here in this song, in this poem. Friends, if salvation was established by you, if the covenant that binds salvation was kept by you, then whenever we sinned, we would have no refuge. You would lose your refuge every time. But it's not set by you. You did not die on the cross. Jesus Christ did. I hope that you realize that God is your refuge. You are not your own refuge. The Lord Jesus Christ is. God is the one that holds it all together, not us. And so once David caught on to the fact that covenant is fought for, established, and held firm by God's power, it caused him to want to praise God for it. Amen? That's why we praise him, because he saved us by his power. 2 Samuel 21 and 4 says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Again, that's another song lyric. (laughs) I've sang that many times. (laughs) Friends, sealed and bound covenant by the promise of God is absolutely no reason, no reason at all, because I've been accused of this. Ray, you teach sealed salvation, how evil, that's a wicked doctrine. No, listen to me. Sealed salvation, bound by covenant, is no reason for you to run off into a sin party and abuse the covenant that you're under. That gives you no permission to say, it's party time, I'm saved no matter what happens. You don't understand covenant. If you think that, you are way off, way off. This does not condone a sin license. The proper Righteous response to true covenant is praise. The proper response to covenant is praise. Again, I see people saying, yeah, I'm in Jesus. I can do whatever I want. And they run the wrong way. Which side of covenant are you on? (laughs) You're dressed wrong and you're running the wrong way. Everything says you don't get it. 
The proper response, the righteous response to true covenant is praise. David said he is worthy to be praised. He's the one that established it. He set it up. Horn of my salvation. That makes him worthy that my praise goes to him. Now, to call upon the name of the Lord, he says, to call upon the name of the Lord is to invoke his name. To call upon the name of the Lord is to approach him in thanksgiving and in worship To call upon the name of the Lord is to pray in a more public and solemn manner to be intimate with God. Calling upon the name of the Lord presupposes that you have authentic faith in the Lord because God promises to save those who in faith call upon his name. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Me and Dove gave the gospel message to a Jewish man in Israel under the sukkah during Sukkot, during tabernacles. Now I watched Dove and this guy go at it. Okay, that's Jew to Jew. Okay, they're talking their language. They're, they're doing what they do. But then the Jewish man said, well, sounds good, but how do I know if I can trust it? See, apparently he's had people change on him. How do I know I can trust it? Here I am, the Gentile, in Israel, sitting with two Jewish men under a sukkah, what have I got to say, right? <laughs> I showed him this verse. I figure after all, it's their book, right? He's going to trust that. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be, will be saved. I showed him that. He goes, well, I guess that does it then. I guess I can trust that. I'm like, whew. I felt like the, you know, the, the, the foreign guy that walked in and made a difference. <laughs> I was excited. <laughs> Friends, if you see a stranger on the street, somebody in a busy place, and you try to call out to them, all you can say is, hey man, or hey you, because you don't know who they are. But to call upon the name of the Lord, to call upon the name, that's a sign of knowing who he is. Those who are saved are those who call upon the name of the Lord. They call upon the Lord God that says, I I recognize you are unmovable. I recognize you love me. I recognize you died for me. I recognize you rose again for me. And I recognize you offer me security under covenant. Friends, that's knowing him. And when you call upon the name of the Lord, I know these things about you. God says like, you're saved, buddy calling upon the name of the Lord. There's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing him personally, calling upon his name. When David said he would call upon the name of the Lord, he meant it as a form of worship after he recognized his complete dependence on the Lord to keep him safe from his enemies. That's calling upon the name of the Lord. Now, in the case of the gospel message, you need to call upon the Lord. Call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Today, people don't really know each other anymore. You realize that? That people don't really know each other? It's just kind of like, oh yeah, I know you on Facebook. Yeah, I saw you in a picture the other day. You were in Iowa and you did this thing, but they don't really know each other. You know, uh, do you sit down with somebody at the coffee shop and talk with them at length? about whatever do you know them do you know what they like do you know what kind of things they do or is that just oh hey you there's a period of time i was going to the coffee shop and i saw chris i knew he was chris hey chris that's about all i knew hey chris 
Later, I started to understand he drives a Jeep. Drives a Jeep. I want a Jeep. He drives a Jeep. Okay? I understand he's interested in doing podcasts, and I start learning things about Chris. It's not just, hey, Chris, but now I know him. Today, people don't really know each other. And I I think there's a reason for this social media being the way it is. It presents itself as a way to get to know people better, but it doesn't. It keeps you apart. It keeps you from not really knowing people. You can't get to know anybody over the internet. You have to be with them. And so people are getting lost in their minds on what commitment is, knowing somebody. So what they come up with is this loose prayer. Oh, hey, Jesus, I give you my life. Thanks for saving me. But they don't know him. They don't know the covenant he offers. They don't know the refuge he offers. They don't know the power he offers and the promise. Oh, Jesus, thanks for saving me. And off they go back to doing the same crazy stuff they used to do. They don't know him. Remember, David here in chapter 21 is now a changed man. He knows God. God took him through situations. This is who I am. And for anybody that claims to know Jesus, if you say you know Jesus, but you've never read anything in his book, in, his, in, in the Bible, in the Word of God, you don't know him. If you don't study God's Word, you don't love him. You've got to pursue him. David had gotten under covenant with God. He's changed now. He didn't take it seriously at first. He got off into sin and it cost him a lot. But now David had been dragged through the other side of all these crazy consequences that traumatized him. It made him get low. And now he realized, wow, look at all these things that the Lord has saved me from. On the way over here today, I was talking to Anna about covenant and the things that we used to do. And I said, you know, Anna, I sure deserve a lot more consequences than I've gotten in my life. I should have a lot more baggage than I do. And then I go, maybe the Lord just saved me from it, duh. (laughs) David's kind of realizing, look what the Lord has saved me from. He is worthy to be praised. And the right response to understanding covenant is to not go out and crank up the sin party again. The right response is to praise him for it. And you will see which side people are on according to how they view the covenant. The people that say, I'm saved by Jesus, and they're right out there in the same old baloney, chances are they don't get it. But to the people that go, I realize where I should be. I've been saved from a lot. Thank you, God. And they get down and praise. You can see that and go, this guy gets it. Which side are you on? You're going to exemplify that. And so calling on the name of the Lord is more than a mere verbal expression. It's also shown in the heart and through repentance. And it becomes a lifelong pursuit. It becomes who you are. The men around David that caught the covenant power, they were striking down giants. You can't pretend to strike down a giant. The giant's going to kill you. They authentically struck them down because they had that power. You're going to exemplify who you really are, and it will become a lifelong pursuit. Psalm 91 and 14. It says, because he has set his love upon me, this is the Lord talking, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Look at that. Wow. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. 
I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. (laughs) That part gets me at the very end. I will show you my salvation. Thank you, God, for that. David had been shown salvation. He had literally lived through it with trial after trial trying to destroy him that never could destroy him because of God's protective covenant. But let me flip the coin over and show you those who refuse. Psalm 79 and 5. How long, Lord, will you be angry forever? Will your jealousy burn like fire? Pour out your wrath on the nations that do not know you and on the kingdoms that do not call on your name. Which side are you on? You can see that those who call upon the Lord's Lord's name, he will show them his salvation. But for those who do not call upon the Lord's name, that is blunt rejection of him. These are people that say, we will not have you rule over us. And then his wrath will be poured out. You know, I was destined for the curse of the law. And so I'm glad to have Jesus as my deliverer. Because when you call upon his name in faith, trusting his promise to save you, then he will not only take you out from death and condemnation that you were in, he will also establish you in a place of refuge forever. You don't just get out of the mess you're in. You're put in a place where you won't get back in it. Security. Friends, this... This gospel news does not make me want to keep sinning. This makes me want to obey with praise in my heart. So let's look again at what Rizpah did. I want to show you. Her sons were hanged to pay for a broken covenant. And so she made sure that they went down for it because it was the only way to ensure that the curse would be lifted off from the nation. But then you have David's men that made sure that David stayed alive all the way around because he was the only way to ensure that the blessing would remain on the nation. Somebody had to die and somebody had to live. It just depends on which side of the covenant you're on. These men died for a curse. David has to stay alive to keep the blessing Do you see both sides of the covenant? Somebody goes down and somebody has to stay up. Here comes the gospel. I'm about to hit you. (laughs) This is where I want to drop the gospel on you in that Jesus Christ served as both sides for us. Ooh, just got deep in here, didn't it? Jesus served as both sides of the new covenant that he saves us. He both died for it and he lives. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. He went down for it and he stays up. Our sin broke covenant with God and somebody had to pay for it. God sent his own son Jesus to die for it. He made sure that Jesus went down for it because he was the only way to ensure that the curse of sin would be lifted off from us. But now that Jesus has risen from the grave, he lives proving that he has fully paid that penalty and now he remains alive as the only way to ensure that eternal life will stay on us. Jesus served both sides of that covenant
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.